Do you want to set your child up for success? Is tutoring out of your budget, or perhaps you're someone like me who just wants to save money on private tutoring? Is this a big school year for your child? You know, maybe they're starting kindergarten or middle school. Maybe there's another milestone coming up. Or maybe your family moved. Oh my gosh, I moved so much when I was growing up. And the kids are starting a new school. Or maybe your child is ahead and just not getting challenged enough in class. Well, IXL Learning is here to help. IXL Learning is a fun online learning program for kids covering math, language, arts, science, and social studies. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or the personality. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. That's right. It is school approved. So make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And how to be fine listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com slash fine. Visit IXL.com slash fine to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Again, that's IXL.com slash fine. Hey guys, Jalenta here. Before we start, I wanted to let you know that By the Book is doing a live show in New York on Saturday, September 16th at the People's Improv Theater, or The Pit, as we call it. So come see us live. We're going to be at the She Makes Me Laugh Femme Fest. It's going to be a full day of funny women on two stages at The Pit. You can see the whole thing. You can swing by just for By the Book Live. For tickets and for more info, go to thepit-nyc.com or just look at our show notes. The following podcast contains explicit language. Hey, Jalenta. Yeah, Kristen. It's been a week since we lived by Men Are From Mars. Women are from Venus. And we still don't know why penis and Venus rhyme if they have nothing to do with each other. Stupid book. But you know what's not stupid, Kristen? What? Mini episodes. Woohoo! Bad That's right. It's time for our Mars-Venus by the book epilogue. And this week, we decided we need some help unpacking the aftermath of this book. So we are joined by a very special guest. Yes, we are thrilled to have Emily Rems with us. Emily is the managing editor of Bust Magazine, co-host of the Pop-Tarts podcast, and a card-carrying feminist. Welcome, Emily. So Thank good to have you. Thank you. Uh, you have recently glanced at Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. I sure did. Any initial first thoughts? Um, just deep shudders head to toe right? all over my body. <laughs> um, my initial response is this. Uh, my boyfriend alerted me to a Chris Rock routine from a few years ago where he, Chris Rock said, if you want to keep your woman happy, whenever she comes home from work or wherever she's been after a long day and is like talking, talking and talking, nod your head and say, uh-huh, really? I told you that bitch crazy. Oh. And, and she'll be happy. And my boyfriend actually does that to me sometimes if I'm mm. on like a particularly <laughs> long day. He'll be like, I told you that bitch crazy. But when I was checking out this book, I feel like all of the advice to men is couldn't be boiled down to that. Basically, pr make your woman believe that you're listening to her whether you actually are or not and then 
the entire rest of the book plays into the women's magazine formula that I feel like I've been battling my entire life. Mm, right. The reason that women's magazines are so popular and also so harmful, I'm talking about mainstream general women's magazines. Not your magazine. No. Not just make that bus clear. magazine. But mainstream women's magazines make their money by making women feel like maybe if you fix yourself, you will be lovable and you won't die alone eating cat food. Oh, so, that makes me want to cry. <laughs> and then they're like, you know, in the women's magazine format, it's like, oh, well, maybe if you buy this product or this serum or this handbag or maybe if you follow this really, really long list mm-hmm. of behavior modifications, someone might eventually love you. And women buy it, buy it, buy it, buy it. Not only do they buy the magazine, but they buy the products that right. their advertisers are selling next to the article that says you need this thing and, no, oh, here's the ad for the thing. And so that's the formula that keeps women's magazines solvent and that keeps women in their therapist's office. And that is why this book, I think, is so popular because the majority of it is just a long, 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 long list of behavior modifications mm-hmm. for women who are hoping desperately someday to be lovable, and that's very sad. Oh, yep. So sad. You know, that's interesting that you're bringing it into the present and talking about right. current magazines because Joe Lent and I both thought, it feels like this is straight out of 1950. Right. Yes. That's what's so crazy is, like, this was written in my lifetime. Sure. Like, it has helped, you know, the generation, I guess, directly above me in their relationships. Like, for real. It was the best-selling nonfiction book of the 90s, according to CNN. Sure. Like, it's, I'm just so surprised that it was so recent. Well, like, in, in 1949, Simone de Beauvoir is writing The Second Sex. She's mm-hmm. talking about how women aren't born like a woman is created by the society that she's born into. And I think that even though this was written, I think, in the early 90s, is that right? Right, yeah. Mm -hmm. Or the late 80s, the early 90s, um, the women that were buying it were raised solidly by women who were raised with very strict 1950s baby boomer Mm -hmm. gender roles. And then I was born... In the 70s, I think I'm probably older than the two of you guys, but, you know, my mom was completely opposed to all of that. And so, like, I wasn't raised with those, like, very rigid binaries, and so I couldn't relate to a lot of what John Gray was saying, the faux doctor John Gray. (laughs) That fake doctor. Yeah. Now, a lot of people echo this thought. Tons of people wrote into us. Let's go through some listener mail. Mm. For example, Katie wrote, Oh my God, this book is the worst, all caps. Just hearing what this horrifying, phony, misogynist creep wrote secondhand was enraging. Actually reading it was unbelievable. Seriously, I almost threw the thing across the table at the bookstore cafe. We almost threw it across the uh, Yeah. I mean, the second I started reading it, I basically just burst into tears. I had high hopes. You know, I thought this was like, you know, my husband and I have communication problems. Like, we're young. We're semi-newlyweds. Like, we need help. And then this book was just like, hey, here's why your husband's fine and should stay the course and why you're a piece of crap that, like, should change everything about yourself. But if I may, you playing that recording of you breaking down in tears over what you had been reading in the mm-hmm. book, I thought that was so brave and beautiful and wonderful <laughs> that you shared that with your listeners. I feel like it is such a raw expression of why I do what I do at a feminist magazine mm. to counteract all that garbage. Yeah. Um, and I really appreciated that you you were able to put it out there. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I was so impressed by that. My favorite part, actually, of that tape, Jolenta, is when 
you've been crying and you say, I'm just really disappointed. And <laughs> and it makes me feel so sad because, you know, you were putting your heart into this. Right. Now, note, some of our listeners actually have, however, found value in this book. Michelle wrote, Hi, Jalanta and Kristen. I was very surprised by your reactions to Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, because I read Mars and Venus on a date a while ago, and I found it very helpful and enlightening. It helped me communicate better with the man I was dating, my lady friends, and my sister. I remember a distinct moment right after I read it. I had to buy a new dress for a wedding. I normally shop alone because I go in knowing what I want, and I don't like to spend a lot of time in stores. This time, I decided to invite a girlfriend and had the opportunity to practice some of the advice from Mars and Venus on a date. I consciously changed the way I phrased questions to her and how I reacted to her, and we had a much deeper conversation as a result. While we were trying on shoes, I got a text from a guy I was dating. Again, I consciously changed my phrasing in my text to him. This made the conversation last longer, and I wasn't anxious or left hanging as per usual. I wonder if attaching gender adds too much baggage, because I tend to have women friends who communicate in a masculine way, including myself. But I found practicing the feminine way of conversation helped me have better relationships with my friends, male and female, and my sister. I understand John Gray's credentials are questionable. I didn't know that before your podcast. But I know from my personal experience that practicing some of his techniques helped me have better relationships. I'm sad you didn't have a good experience with that book. Oh, I'm sad, too. We're all sad. We're all sad. <laughs> None of us had good Even experiences Even a broken clock. Yeah. <laughs> right twice a day. Exactly. <laughs> but I thought, I thought it was different where I was like, if this book had no gender roles but was just like, here are two different ways people communicate, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. would it have more clout? It's a good question. I mean, I do it would have been more helpful and less alienating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't have been so turned off immediately. That's for sure. Yeah, because what it does is it creates so many rules around what a woman is, and so few around what a man is. Not only what a woman is, but what a woman should be. Yes, right. All of those things. But yeah, if it just broke it down to, yeah, there are people who are emotional talkers. There are people who are. I don't even want to say logical talkers. Like that's direct talkers. Direct talkers or something, or, or yeah. something like that. And there are people who are more reclusive and more friendly. And there are people yeah. like this. People Not, who generalize, people who don't. Yes, like. all of those things. And that might have made more sense. And to circle back to something you said earlier, Emily, maybe all of this makes more sense if you were brought up in the baby boomer era and that's the way you were supposed to talk if you're a woman and that's the way you're supposed to talk if you're a man. It's just very loaded. Yeah. Ugh, let's move on to this one, though. Yeah. So here's a letter he got about the love letter technique. This writer says, the love letter technique made me furious. If writing my feelings down helps me get them clear so I don't get derailed or start crying, great. But I don't feel the need to sit my husband down and list every nuance of how he made me feel like shit. And why would I dictate his response? It's so much more healthy to talk and mutually agree about the next step. Ugh. The whole thing seems so passive aggressive. Okay, first I have to immediately say I want to list every nuance of how my husband made me feel like <laughs> shit. He has to know everything he did. You like the love letter. I See, that's the only thing that kind of worked for me, where I was like, this, like, my husband and I both, we run hot. Like, we're talkers, we're fighters, we're animated. We met in acting school. Like, come on. We need structure. It was more about not being hurtful to him for me than, like, to get my thoughts out. Like, I knew exactly what I wanted to say, but in writing in the love letter, I took time to be like, I do appreciate you, husband, but, like, also this litany of stuff. 
And then I love the response, too, because it's a nice, calm way of being like, here's what I wish you would say. Take it or leave it, but think about it. And, like, I'm not screaming it at you. I'm not dictating it to you. Like, this is just a fun game. And, like, he responded super well, and I got exactly what I wanted from it. So, like, yeah, I was I feel, on board. <laughs> I feel that you had total success with your love letter thing. I, I think in my case, I actually agree with this letter writer. I mm. would rather just talk with Dean about it. And every couple is different. If they right. want to write about it, that's great. If they want to talk about it, that's great. I don't think there's a right or wrong here. Mm. I just think that in my case, it did feel passive aggressive. In yours, it felt constructive. I loved this tweet we got from a listener, Sonia, who realized how sexist the book was like a few decades too late. This is what she <laughs> said. She, she tweeted at us and said, just realizing my thoughtful wedding gift in the 90s of men are from Mars, women are from Venus was terrible. <laughs> oh, bless then, your heart. She then follows it up with a few more tweets saying, I admit, I didn't ever read the book, just thought it would be fun and helpful. Ugh. <laughs> um, now, here's a letter that's so completely not related to men are from Mars, women are from Venus, but we do feel that it's a good letter to end on. Yes. Lindsay writes, Kristen, what the heck do you mean that your husband drove to a shop, bought a new engine, and installed it himself? You make this sound like such a simple, quick thing. I've replaced an engine myself, and it takes weeks of bitching, complaining, and breaking things before success ensues. Did he really buy a whole new engine and replace it himself, or were you talking about a new battery? I'm pretty sure you were talking about him buying a new battery. Either way, I just have to know if your husband is some type of mechanical savant or not. <laughs> I was very impressed. Yeah. Well, first of all, my husband is a mechanical savant. Noise. But, but in this case, it was a battery. I asked him what this thing was. Yeah. Well, in the episode, you say, like, we had to get a jump, and then we went to the auto yeah. shop, and he replaced the engine. So full disclosure here, I have never owned a car in my whole life. And if you need a reminder of why I would not own a car, listen to our America's Cheapest Family episode. Cars cost money. I've never mm -hmm. owned a car. I mean, but I don't like know you've seen things. one on TV. I have seen a car on TV. And, um, <laughs> and up until very recently, Dean did own a car. As of this morning, yeah. he no longer owns a car. Well, you just get rid of it? Yeah, he just uh, donated the car Now today. I have to take you off my list of friends with a car. No, he donated the car. He just felt like it wasn't necessary mm. anymore. So... Thank you, folks, for pointing out how little I know about cars. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. So that's it for Listener Mail today. Emily, thank you so much for joining us to talk about this horrible book. Thank yeah, you horrible. for Thank you for me. making me feel sane about, like, all of my reactions to it and giving me, like, smart reasons behind my emotions. I hear you. Thank you. You're wonderful. Thanks, Emily. Thanks. And, and a reminder, Emily's podcast is called Pop-Tarts. And she is the managing editor of Bust Magazine. Yep. Check it out. Oh, what's your oh, yeah, Twitter, Twitter handle? You can find me at Emily Rems. Do it. Excellent. Kristen, if we're done with listener mail, you know what time that is? Oh, I know what time it is. It's time to announce our next book. Ooh, yeah. Ba, 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 ba. Our next book is Class with the Countess, How to Live with Elegance and Flair by Luann Will we be classy ladies? Maybe we'll even learn how to clean up our potty mouth language. Join us next week to find out. Thanks again to everyone who reached out. Reminder, you can reach us at 505-510-BOOK or write to us at buythebook at panoply.fm. And don't forget to join our Facebook community. You can talk to us, talk to other listeners, share stories, suggest self-help books. Do anything. 
Special thanks today to Evan Viola, who engineered. Thanks, as always, to our wonderful producer, Cameron Drews. And, of course, thanks again to Emily Rems, managing editor of Bust Magazine, co-host of the Pop-Tarts podcast, and all-around great feminist lady. Until next time, I'm Jalenta Greenberg. And I'm Krista Meinzer. Bye. Bye. Your accent is such podcast gold. It's... Do you hear it? Some people hear Kristen, it and some people it's don't. So goddamn I hear strong. it, it like, a, like a breath of fresh air through my ear holes. Oh, thank you. We actually I hear it did... like the nagging voice of my mother. <laughs> Her mom's actually my mom's Minnesotan. Minnesotan. My mom's oh. whole family is Minnesotan. It's a yeah. delight. Thank you.